come. Walk down the winding path. Don't mind the spooks and monsters. They stay hidden within the trees. There are mysteries in this world that you need to know, and paranormal truths that need to be told. Come, step up into the caravan while we share tales of old, as well as new accounts about things you thought only existed in your nightmares. Welcome back inside the caravan. We have a very special announcement for everyone. We have a new outro song for you by the amazing and talented Sean James, who released his first album in 2012 and got with his band in 2013, The Shapeshifters. So in celebration of his music, we are wanting to bring to you a special episode about shapeshifting. Vance Nesbitt is back with us. Thank you for coming back again for the third time in a row. I know. Well, it's nice and comfy on this couch here. And you've got mm. new pillows. I really like the fact that you put <laughs> new pillows on the couch here. This is this is very comfortable. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes, we are uh we are doing shape shifting. Mm. And I can prove I have I have physical proof about shape shifting because mm. I'm a shape shifter myself actually. <laughs> oh really? So, you know, uh, absolutely because I can show you pictures from when I was a little baby as to what I am now, and I used wow. to be really small. I only weighed a few <laughs> pounds, and now, you know, mm-hmm. so I have shape-shifted over. It took me a while, you know, to get to this point. <laughs> but shape-shifting itself is absolutely, that's a perfect word. Shape-shifting itself is a pretty fascinating subject because uh, it appears that the lore of the shape-shifters and all the different uh, diversities of culture mm-hmm. that uh, reflect on that topic seem to be very prominent and you learn a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I know we've you, got, uh, uh, it's, it's fascinating because, you know, growing up, I heard a lot about vampires and werewolves and I never heard, I don't think that I ever really heard about any other types of wear animals or shape-shifting until I actually got into this with you. And now uh-huh. I've learned that there's wear lions and uh-huh. people like the Aztecs had a ceremony that they believed that they could actually shape-shift into jaguars. Um, there's also the belief of shape-shifting into dogs and cats, as well as being an animal that can shift into a human. Right. And that puts a whole different concept on things that therefore animals would have to have a conscious in order to want to become human. So they would have had to have that entire thought process right. in order to manifest into a human. So, wow, there's a whole new dynamic that I never thought of before. It's rather interesting. Well, exactly. How about, well, and then there's how about the happen- plan. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah, there is actually the belief of being able to um, shapeshift into a plant or an inanimate object. Hmm. You know, that brings back a whole new dynamic to, although that was a Martian plant from Little Shop of Horrors, but, you know, how creepy would that be? I don't know. Why would you want to shapeshift into a plant unless you were looking to escape something? I, 
would imagine. Hmm. Right. No, um, shapeshifting can happen for many reasons, whether you're trying to challenge somebody, whether you're trying mm-hmm. to um, escape something, um, or be a trickster. I mean, there's just a million different reasons that you can come up with on why you would want to shapeshift or even what you would want to shapeshift in. I'm thinking that probably that you brought up trickster. That would probably seem to me uh, first reaction that that would probably be the most popular reason why mm-hmm. is either seeking a revenge or just to be that trickster would seem probably the most popular reason as to why people would shapeshift. And we do say people, mm-hmm. but like you said earlier, animals could shapeshift too. And hmm. Well, yeah, the crazy I, thing is, is there's the half, the half ones, um, <laughs> which I think is called uh, therianthropy, mm-hmm. <laughs> something like that. Well, and and those ones are your um, centaurs and your mermaids. So they're right. the half and half. Uh, but for me personally, honestly, if if I was to have the ability to shapeshift, my number one reason would definitely be to <laughs> I think I would play tricks I I would <laughs> <laughs> not you Jennifer I know you you're too sweet to do that yes. now come on <laughs> yeah mm-hmm. it's just sweet little innocent old me as you go into your local grocery store as a right? wolf and you could have just about anything you want ma'am please go right we're call, calling animal control and yeah, no, I. It would like be a I lot said, of fun. I, you have to admit, <laughs> I, if you are aware of it. Now, isn't that mm. kind of a weird question? Would you be aware if you had shapeshifted into an animal with the same consciousness and thought well, process? Would you be thinking through your head in the English language, or would you understand everything in a canine or whatever animal you may sh- shapeshift into? Would you be thinking in that type of a conscious? And well, then would you be able to slip back out of it again? I that's interesting. In movies, okay, let's think about movies. When somebody has mm-hmm. transformed into a werewolf, do you right. remember if they recall what they've done? Like, they know no, that they're I'm... monsters, and they know that they've right. hurt someone. But I tend to believe that they find out about it later, that, oh, my gosh, this person got killed, and then there's a realization mm-hmm. that, oh, I did it. Um right. So maybe, maybe you don't, but you would definitely be aware that you shapeshifted after you shifted in back into a human. I mean, because also in the movies, it seems extremely painful. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. And it is a Hollywood adaptation from screenwriters right. to film. And that is just an adaptation for the drama effect. Makes it wow. a little bit more scary. However, I would think that if you're physically changing your bone structure and your muscle mm-hmm. structure, uh, yeah, it would seem like nerve endings would be stretched and tormented, and it would probably be a painful process, much but, like your uh, si- sister had brought up on the episode of Vampires and Werewolves. Uh, would she do it? And she's like, yeah, it depends on what the pain is. Well, you don't get that choice. You either push the yes button, <laughs> I would do it, or the no button, I wouldn't do it. You don't right. get to ask those questions. So my guess would be 
probably pain would be a reality of it. I would, I would kind of think. See, do you recall in the very first, it was like within the first couple chapters of Monsters Among Us by Linda Godfrey. Mm -hmm. There was the one about the little girl who their mother was at the uh, coin op, the laundry. Oh, yeah. Yes, so, yes. Right. Well, she, if I remember correctly, she watched this man transform and he seemed to have been in pain. Just the way that she was describing it, how, I mean, because mm-hmm. I thought that he, that he, he was growling or yelling or I thought that there was they some kind of a dis- Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So, you know, how much of it is really Hollywood? How much of it would be, would actually be that way? I mean, and this is all what if, you know, we, <laughs> this would be a very fantastical thing if this could actually happen. But hey, let's just pretend for tonight that this is a reality, you know? Right. But there's the thing, Jen, it might be a reality. Who knows? That's true. I mean, <laughs> nobody can definitely say it may sound extremely far fetched. But right. when when you think about, let's go back 300 years, mm-hmm. maybe 400 years, and right. people were sitting amongst themselves in whatever situation they were in, and, and they hear this animal speaking to them from the trees, mm-hmm. that would have that would have been something that just doesn't exist. But yet right. we have African greys and parrots that can mimic and speak just like we do. That's and true. Back then, it wasn't believed that that could be a reality. No, that's too mm-hmm. far-fetched. So who's to say that shape-shifting can't happen? Who's to say that, you know, for those that see wolves in the wild, that maybe one of them has transformed and become part of this, you know, yeah. pack of wild canines? Um, Man, you know, well, and it goes back to the Beast of Bray Road and mm-hmm. the Dogman. Or right. the upright walking canine, however you want to identify it, with all the people that have seen it, could it be a shapeshifter? What about all the stories that came out of, uh, you know, the Skinwalker Ranch? Because there again, the Skinwalker is a reference to shapeshifting. So even in Native American lore, shapeshifting is a very real thing. And it takes right. on a very dark and a very demonic meaner about it but who's to say that something like that isn't real we go from hollywood movies as to what we've seen lon cheney going through his transformation into the wolfman you know and it was great for hollywood revenue and of course it brings that terror to the screen but who's to say some of that really wasn't based on something that could actually happen you know I, it's it's a fascinating subject. Once you start diving deep into it, and you and you start reading and doing the research and look at Native American lore, like I said, um, it's been going on for centuries as far as stories of shape shifting and you know taking on transformation of different animals. And it seems like a lot of those creatures that are shape shifted into seem to me to be very uh, deformed and demented mm-hmm. and, and and have that evil presence about them. So right. that's kind of scary within itself, too. It mm. is true that shape-shifting has been generally in a very dark light. But mm-hmm. I'm going to take this opportunity now that this kind of popped in my head. If there is any listener out there 
now or that finds this episode in the future or that might know somebody. If you know anybody or you yourself are a shapeshifter, <laughs> please email the caravan of lore at gmail.com. I would definitely love to hear your story. And, uh, mm. you know, because honestly, I have to say, um, if the opportunity presented itself, if somebody came to me and said, yes, I can shapeshift and I can teach you how. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. we met together and I actually physically saw it with my eyes. I would, I, I think I would do it. <laughs> I think that I would just no. do it. <laughs> you, you just want to be a vampire. You want to be a, a child. Come on. Let's make I got to let my inner here. monster out. <laughs> yes, you do. So here's okay, the so going, for you. Yeah. Going back on that notation of you asking our oh, wonderful mm -hmm. audience, if you are a shapeshifter and you want to email us, yes. um, please please keep in mind, too, that your anonymity is very oh, important to us. We will not share any information with anybody um, unless we mm -hmm. have your express written consent. You are protected by our promise that your story stays with us unless you want it to be shared. And this so goes for everybody fair. in every story, right. whether you have a ghost story, a Sasquatch encounter, if you're a UFO mm -hmm. abductee, anything, right. any reason for you to email us. If if you don't want uh, your story shared, if you just want somebody to speak to, then, mm -hmm. you know, speak to us. We don't have to air it. We don't have to talk about it. Um, nope. That's just, you know, the the added bonus if you're like hey i got a story and i want to share it with your listeners you know but it doesn't have right. to be that way um but it's really therapeutic too oh it is it really is i know that from my own uh personal experiences like we were talking mm -hmm. with sean um it's been amazing to find this group of people and share our stories and and realize that you know this is this it's is the paranormal place. is more normal than we than we know. <laughs> yeah, that's true, and it's a safe place. So, yeah. So before uh, you get my question uh -huh. for you, uh -huh. if you could turn into any kind of wear animal, which I guess there's a lot of different ones, which would you choose and why? Um. Okay, thanks for springing that one on me, but it would have to be, I'm, I might <laughs> take a little bit of time to discern exactly what's, what specific species, but mm -hmm. it would have to be some sort of a bird or a raptor, rather. Whoa, really? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Ooh. Like, yeah, it would so have, it it would have to be a raptor. Fly? Well, um considering the fact that flying gives you the freedom to move in any direction. Uh, oh, and geez. that's quoted by Amelia Earhart. And if you think about it, yes, you have the freedom of movement in any direction with the ability to fly, but then you have other abilities too. Um, you have the keen eyesight. You're able to see at great distances and mm -hmm. you're able to flee danger. You're able to promote danger and be part of danger as well and be a great protector. You know, you might have a, a dog that mm -hmm. is, is barking at you ferociously and it's very terrifying. But uh -huh. think about how terrifying it would be to have, you know, a six foot wingspan <laughs> creature coming at you too. I mean, that's true I, with it, crazy you, talons. 
Yeah. Now there you go. It's the crazy talons. So, um, yeah, I think I would be shape-shifting into uh, a bird of prey of some sort. I would have to be a little more specific as to, you know, what it would be. Of course, you know, a lot of people would probably think, oh, he wants to be a majestic bald eagle. Well, you know, yeah, that would be cool <laughs> because they're beautiful, but it's mm-hmm. not about beauty. It's about being efficient as a creature in itself. Mm-hmm. So maybe an owl. You know? Ooh, right? Yeah, and so- I could fit in the sit in the tree outside your window and make you think about, oh, when's my next alien abduction going to happen? Right? Oh, my gosh. Well, okay. So so this is, so that question is if you could shape shift into it. So you wouldn't be bound to being it all the time. But right. now along the same path, let's talk about reincarnation really quick. If you were to, mm-hmm. if you were able to choose, but you had to be an animal, you could no longer be a human, you had to choose an animal, and you would be that animal permanently. No shape shifting, no nothing. What would you choose? Oh boy. <laughs> um. Wow. Probably um, a household dog, a golden retriever. <laughs> oh yeah. Sure. Why That's not? A good one. You get the spoils of life, <laughs> and I mean, you don't have to work. You get mm-hmm. treated. You get fed. You get loved. You get groomed. Uh, mm. Yeah, that's living the life of royalty. Why be a wild animal <laughs> that you have to fend for yourself? Whereas a golden retriever, hey, people are taking care of you and they love you. As long that's as you're true. loyal to them, they'll be loyal to you. So, mm. yeah, you can reincarnate me into a uh, a lovable little puppy. I'd be good with that. <laughs> nice. Right on. Sounds good. How about you? Well, I, I want to know what oh, you man. would want to you know, honestly, I've always had a thing for wolves, and it's definitely my totem animal. So if I could shape shift, I would. I would definitely be a wolf. Uh, I love mm-hmm. the, the freedom and being in the forest and all of that. But hearing your explanation of the animal, if you reincarnated, mm-hmm. it would be hard to be. A, I mean, it wouldn't be easy being a wolf all the time you know you really have to you know (laughs) chase your food and be out in the cold and all that you have to fight for your status you know i understand humans we have to fight for our status too but it's not as Mm -hmm. brutal as it would be um you know wanting to have puppies of your own and and having (laughs) to go through a brutal fight first in order to Mm -hmm. be the alpha female or the alpha male whichever it is you choose Mm -hmm. and uh yeah, your your life is revolving around not starving. Yeah. You know? No, so and, I think yeah. uh to be reincarnated <laughs> uh <laughs> you know, I might go with a cat. <laughs> See, there you go. <laughs> I'll just knock er, off counters. And all right, uh, there you go. <laughs> so that way, you know, that way I can be spoiled and I can be loving, but I can still be mm-hmm. mischievous. <laughs> <laughs> Why, sure, you'll knock everything off of every shelf in the house because oh, yeah. that's what you would do. Yeah. Drink out mm-hmm. of everybody's drinking glass, <laughs> Mr. Meats. <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah. And you're completely fascinated with a laser pointer. So, Oh, yeah. Hey, man, you can jump really good. You got great balance. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This is true. This is true. Um, okay, <laughs> so there you go. Yeah. And you can be the cat and the, and I'll be the puppy. 
And yep. boy, talk <laughs> about a uh, a podcast, right? <laughs> exactly. I'll, I'll come back and, and be a podcat in my next lifetime. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's fantastic! And, and I'm sure that would make for great listening, wouldn't it? Right, it would. There's a there's a few things I would say there, but this is a family friendly show, so we'll just keep it at that. <laughs> yep. Um, no, you you do point a, a very interesting question, and of course, um, for our listeners, feel free to put in the Caravan Library of Lore group page on Facebook. Mm-hmm. Put in what you guys you know would want to. Oh yeah, please uh, be reincarnated into because I'd be interested to see what other people. You know, sometimes I'm so shocked by you guys that you'll put in a post of like, wow, I never thought of that. That's fantastic. Mm. And then I get all excited because, you know, our conversation was heard and really thought about. And, Mm. you know, I know some of you would put in something fantastic as far as a reincarnated animal. Oh, yeah. well, Somebody and I want to know the reasons why, too, because those are right, also, right, right. you know, even more fascinating. Um, right. So somebody you know, will come back and say it's snail. <laughs> right? Oh, my gosh. Um, before I forget, too, uh, I had uh, some other things written down for shapeshifters. And something that I found that was really interesting was the um, Old Norse berserkers. That it literally, that word, broken up, means bear shirt. And they would wear these bear skins on their back when they would go into battle. Mm -hmm. There was also, and I forget what they were, but there was another group of people that did that that was with wolf skins. And Mm -hmm. they would howl when they were in battle. I mean, (laughs) that would be pretty intense. Oh, I would think so. But if you take a look at it, it's a wanting form of intimidation uh, before going into battle of, wow, what are we actually going up Mm -hmm. against here? There's some crazy, crazy individual that's, you know, maybe it's a wolf. Maybe it's not a wolf. I don't know. Do eh, I might want to just run away. You know, that would be me anyway. I'd be running the other direction if I saw somebody howling dressed (laughs) as a wolf especially back in that time period. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's, it's very intimidating. Um, that same philosophy, mm-hmm. if you think about it, was used in World War II by the British mm-hmm. by by painting the uh, the big tiger mouth on the front end of the airplane. Oh, right, right. And it was an intimidation thing. You, you see this flying large mouth mm-hmm. and you understand it's an airplane, but it's very intimidating and it strikes the fear and of course you know the pilots take it as you know i'm the badass of the skies but it was very much part of the psychological warfare that was used to give an image of something that it might not really be but Mm -hmm. you know it was very effective uh the spitfire and with the flying tiger mouth on it and yeah it's still used, you know, it's still used today. Um, today isn't so much for the psychological warfare of it, but it's more of the, yeah, I'm just a bad ass pilot and it just looks cool mm-hmm. on my airplane. But still, that's where it came from was uh, you shapeshift your airplane into a ferocious <laughs> animal of some sort to strike the fear. 
into right. your opponent or into your enemy. So this is very effective. Oh, yeah. No, I'm sure. I would be, I don't know, if I was on the opposing side and I knew that the people that I was fighting, let's say I knew that they did this, I would be mm-hmm. half tempted to be like, okay, I'll play their game. I'll wear the wolf fur. I'll howl. And I think that it would confuse them because my side doesn't do that. But I did. So then they would be mm-hmm. confused. So, you know, and that and that goes back to the, um, you know, there was the escape of danger use as punishment and used to challenge. So. Right, right, right. Hmm. Yeah, the use of challenge. Yeah, you would probably throw your opponent or your enemy into a, uh-oh, what did I just get myself into if I'm, now they're thinking, hmm, am I up against a shapeshifter? Yeah, good right. strategy. Yeah, let's awesome. playing, playing chess on the battlefield. Oh, it's very interesting. I like this whole concept of uh, shapeshifting. The more you think about it, the the further you can take it and go, hmm, what could I actually do to those that I don't like? Although I prefer not to have conflict, but um, it certainly does paint a interesting picture to say, ah, I'll get big sharp teeth and put on this. Well, although think of all the animals that were sacrificed in order to wear the wolf skin. You probably had this beautiful beastly animal that was just, dominating the woods and here you sacrificed it so that you could pretend to be that (laughs) that's kind of sad in itself you know what's kind of fascinating too that i've noticed within and i'm in a ballpark if it's say within the last eight years about the shape-shifting topic is that so much of it is um extraterrestrial related that extraterrestrials are shape-shifting into the human form and every once in a while, that human form lets a little bit of that extraterrestrial be visual, like, you know, you'll see the reptilian eyes come out or or an unusual behavior that is only represented by a, you know, specific type of creature, whether it be alien, extraterrestrial, that type of thing. Um, but, it, yeah, I've noticed that's kind of coming up in the culture, too, that, um, you know, the mantis type of alien and and not so much the gray but the uh the mantis definitely reptilian definitely i think reptilian probably takes a top tier as uh being the shapeshifter that's taking the human form and every once in a while and of course there's videos out there on youtube land that you can mm-hmm. watch and you oh, see yeah, I've you seen know them where you a, see their eyes change person. Right. You know, now yeah. is that an anomaly or is that CGI? Who knows? Well, uh, but again, I go back to that disclaimer of, I don't know. I can't say that it's not true. I'm well, open-minded to everything, you know, but is it possible that, you know, a reptilian can shapeshift into the human form in order to blend in and be a chameleon amongst the human race? Who I knows? will say That's this. Pretty... I have mm-hmm. a family member. So I've got a very close friend of the family and a family member that this happened between them. The woman who is the family friend, she's been into the spiritual scene for many years. She, um, 
she's had many experiences like we have all had. Um, and she's, you know, she's a Reiki master and she, uh, practices just different, um, divination tools and, uh, all kinds of different things. Well, one time a family member was seeing her one afternoon for, I, I believe in energy healing, uh, or angel session and her mm-hmm. eyes changed to into cat eyes. And wow. right before my family member's eyes, and it was such a profound moment for him to be like, oh my gosh, I, I just saw this. And see, I later went and spoke to her and I was like, hey, my family member said this, you know, and she laughed and she goes, well, yeah, you know, and, and we had talked about um, kind of where I was at in my spiritual road. And how sometimes the difference between people, like, the reason why something like that wouldn't happen between her and I is because I don't need that proof. I don't need to see to believe kind of a thing. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. So, I mean, but at the same time, now being in this world where there's more research and more proof and more, you know, I do, I do get curious. And so, yeah, I think, uh, you know, at the time I didn't think too much about it. I thought, you know, okay, well I believe this and and that's fine. But now I sit there and go, man, I want to see too, you know? Mm, right. 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 And, and then to take, take it a step further, I want to know how to do that. <laughs> Well, of course you do. Of course you do. It's you. Right. Um, <laughs> Your podcast. You know, podcast host. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Um, you know, I always found it really amazing. I think the most, one of the most fascinating things about the Hollywood shapeshifter, let's say the wolf man, and I'm doing air quotes. I know we can't <laughs> see it, but right. oh, they rip their shirt off and, you know, their clothes are torn. And, of course, the Incredible Hulk went through this, too. They shred their shirt off and their pants are all shredded up and ripped. And then, okay, <laughs> right. you're, back, you're back to human form again and your shirt is all fixed. How did that happen? <laughs> oh, really? See, I didn't notice that because I could have sworn that I had seen, at least with the Hulk, well, no, and I want to say Wolfman too that they they did at least have shredded clothes when they when they formed back. Uh huh. Yeah, but... it was, it was tip, tipping them off as to hey, you you were doing something last night that you don't remember. Right, but you shouldn't be wearing that same clothes though. Those you should shed those clothes completely if it's a true metamorphosis, and then I mean you're not going to be able to put the clothes back on. No, this know? is true. Yeah. So. And and I don't think the full moon has anything to do with it either. I think that's oh yeah, that's all. <laughs> yeah, I don't think. Oh so. well, wow, you say that like maybe you know something <laughs> I don't know. Well, all I can say is spiritually speaking and energetically, one thing that I have noticed since I became a mom and have kind of gotten into that mom community, a lot of children who. On a full moon night, I'm telling you, they're <laughs> they're little werewolves, you know, because they oh they're, sure, sure oh they're up so late and they're they're mm-hmm. more energized and they mm-hmm. you can't get them settled and you're just going oh it must be a full moon again so right 
I mean, maybe you can't physically transform on a full moon, but people mentally do. <laughs> no, and and that is pretty much scientifically proven. Um, mm -hmm. Hey, you know, you want proof of it, just go to any hospital or police department and take a look mm -hmm. at any kind of incoming reports from mm -hmm. days with full moons, and you'll see their activity is uh, certainly peaked a lot when there of is a full moon. Or births, I mean. Yeah. Right, right. So, and especially in warmer weather when people are outside mm -hmm. more, they're a little bit more active and mm -hmm. do crazy things. And I noticed it myself. I mean, I've noticed, you know, for conversations that you and I have had doing shows going, wow, this was, everything just seemed to fall into place and it was a lot of fun. And I'm like, yeah, and right. it's also a full moon. And you're like, wow, that was, <laughs> that was amazing. So, right. Yeah, no, there's a lot to be said about it. But I think Hollywood took the full moon aspect and mm -hmm. just added that for a little bit more drama, so to speak, as to maybe this right. is what um, turns the the man into the wolf, so mm. to speak. And it's, yeah, it's, I mean, it's a good, cool. Yeah. yeah. No, it's a good, uh, I mean, it goes perfectly hand in hand with that, you know, so then it makes me want to look into the African lore with where tigers or where uh, lions and see mm -hmm. what is it that would make them transform. Cause it, I wouldn't think that it would be the moon. The moon isn't associated with that big cats. So, you know, no, but they are a nocturnal yeah. animal. So true. Maybe it's just a night thing, man. Right. Could you imagine that instead right. of, instead of every full moon that you turn, that it's whenever the sun, every, you know, when, when the sun is just gone, that would be so much more intense. No, that is, um, it's something to think about of, it would probably wear you out if every time the sun goes down, you're changing into a large beastly cat of some sort, whether it's a right. jaguar or, or a, a were lion, whatever, and <laughs> sleep all day, not enjoying the human existence because you're sleeping in recovery Ooh. from being a cat all night. So really the only life you would know is being a cat and there's a there's a horrible trade-off i'm sure you would spend a little bit of time in the human form going oh as soon as the sun goes down i'm back to being a cat again well that's so the there you go thing. maybe, maybe okay. that's why we're keeping daylight savings time is to give those <laughs> shapeshifters and the cats a little bit of a break in <laughs> that extra right? hour of time of being a human <laughs> well, but imagine this though. If if it's every night and you're shape shifting into this whatever, I would think that because it's so often and that that's when you spend your awake time, that in your human form mentally, you would also start transforming mentally because you're sleeping during your human form. So then you're waking right. up as this animal. I mean, eventually it would just get to the point where I would just I'd beg to just be the animal fully and just talk <laughs> about my human form. Yeah, let's just end this right now and just make me a cat. Yes. Come on. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. yeah, well, I I would be afraid that, you know, if I were to be deemed with that shape shifting into a cat of some sort, it would be, you know, that tiny little meow type of cat. <laughs> <laughs> you like no. I, I wanted to right. be a tiger. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. And and I don't know if anybody you know has really done that comparison. I know most of all of our listeners have been to a zoo, but <laughs> I've had the privilege 
of being face to face with both a male lion mm. through a chain link fence, of course. Right. Um, but to be face to face with a male lion and then mm. to be face to face with a Bengal tiger. Right. Um, a Bengal tiger is twice as big as a male lion. So where did this mm. whole king of the jungle thing come from for the lion? <laughs> I'm sorry. Right. That Bengal tiger is twice as big. The head, wow. if I were to curl my body up into a ball, its head mm. is still bigger than my body. Wow. It, it's just immensely huge on how big a Bengal tiger really is until you're face to face with it and you realize um, the soul that you're looking into when you're looking mm. into its eyes and like, holy oh, cow. Yeah, to buy the whole king of the jungle thing with the <laughs> lion. Yeah, they're they're intimidating. Of course, I wouldn't want to come across one in the wild in a human form. Um, and of course, it would suck to be a shapeshifter and you turn oh, into God. a zebra, and and now you're and <laughs> right. now you're in the land of the lion. It's like no, oh, that was a bad place. So that all Whoa. goes back to my I want to be a bird because that way I could just fly away and and no predator could get me that way then. I would dominate the sky. <laughs> no, exactly. It's, um, no, you know, there was a couple times in life that I came face to face with wolves. They were, um, pretty much full blooded and mm -hmm. they were pets. They were pets though. And right. it was incredible. And they were so big and it was amazing to uh, just when they howl, it is so chilling. Oh yeah. Right. Right. You know, it's um, it's it's kind of it's something that people might not think about. I posted a picture on the existers a few days ago of Illinois with a uh, a large paw print. And, you know, there were those that were saying it might be a koi wolf or whatever. Um, living in the suburb in which I did at the time. Now, this goes back about maybe 15 years ago. But my next door neighbor notified me he's like hey keep an eye on your kids because uh i saw a wolf last night um in between the houses here and i know we have coyotes mm -hmm. that run the gamut through our neighborhood here mm -hmm. and i looked at him with one eyebrow up going okay well thank you I, I i really appreciate it and i didn't put two and two together until i took the garbage out now our our garbage was kept outside like most people on the side of our house and I had the garbage bag in my hand, and I walked out the front door, and lo and behold, there's a gray wolf. And it was a wolf, and it was standing on the Ooh. side of the house where that garbage can was, and he wow. just stood there staring at me. And mm. I, you know, I was shocked. And, right. yeah, you get that flight or – you do get the flight or fight, you know, yeah. symptoms immediately. But I, I stood there, and it put its head down kind of low. And, you know, its paws were out in front of them, which is very submissive for a canine to do that. Right. And so I don't, it, it may have just been as scared as I was. And it was showing wow. me, you know, it's being submissive, maybe doesn't want to have a problem. And I couldn't believe the size of this thing. I mean, this wow. thing was huge. Right. And, of course, it was, I believe, about two days later, I heard on the radio, and this was out of Chicago radio, that they were tracking, the Department of Natural Resources was tracking a pack of wolves that was running along the river, the Fox River, which we only lived a block away from. 
Uh, mm. They were just traveling out of Wisconsin and traveling down the river and was taking up territory in the neighborhoods, going through garbage or whatever, easy feed, um, involuntary habituation, like we talked about with Sean Forker uh, in the Bigfoot episode. And, okay, that gave me justification to hear that news report that, yeah, there were mm. wolves in the area. So, um yeah, we're fortunate enough to have them here. And you think, wow, Chicago, really? Wolves? Yeah, no, but yeah, they are in the area. Now, mind you, it's not in the urban area of Chicago. This is, you know, the right. the suburbs. But uh, they do travel along the, the river. And mm-hmm. now that we have this whole shape-shifting conversation mm-hmm. going on, it's like, mm, well, maybe it was, you know, an old neighbor that used to live in the house and uh, it's just coming back for a visit. Who knows? But, <laughs> yeah, uh, I imagine that. You know, it's crazy because, like, thinking about all this, the one of the biggest thoughts that pops in my head is, is dog man. Now, this is a subject that I have not really jumped into. Uh-huh. My knowledge really goes as far as that book that Linda um, wrote. Monsters and then, Among Us, right? Yes. And then I've only listened to maybe one or two episodes from Vic for dogman encounters they were Mm -hmm. intense though they really were like it really seems like these dogmen are one of the most evil cryptids it just seems like it's full of dark energy and Mm -hmm. my thought though is it seems like there's reports from all over and i know that i've heard that there is a report from oregon but i can't find Mm -hmm. it and it makes me curious well are they here I mean, there's plenty of, I mean, we've got plenty to support them, oh, you know, sure. I mean. Oh, absolutely. So why wouldn't they yeah. be over here? Yeah, you have wolf population where you're at. Um, yeah. And I do remember hearing some reports, not in a plethora, but I have heard reports coming out of uh, Oregon and Washington State of an upright canid. Um and again, you know, there's still a lot of science to be done and at least get evidence of some sort, you know. Right. Yeah, there was a one there's some pictures out there, but again, that's that's not something you can hold in your hand as evidence. It's something that you're looking at. Uh but well, that I whole subject just, is yeah. kind of creepy. Well, I'll just ask too, um, shout out to Vic and any uh, listeners, if you have any sightings, encounters, stories uh, of dogmen or dogmen-type creatures, not Sasquatch, that are in Washington or Oregon, send them my way. I would love to hear them, listen to them, read them, whatever, you know. I, I definitely want right. to try to get more educated, you know, especially mm-hmm. since I love to go out in the woods as much as I do. Um right. The only, here's a story for you. You know, you know my different um, Sasquatch type encounters that I've had over there on Mount Hood. Right. Up in the Tillamook Forest, which is just right there along the coast, there was a road. It's washed out now. You can't get, well, I mean, the bridge washed out. So you'd have to take your truck through the river to get to the other side and, it's something you can easily do during the summertime, but um, along that road, it, it comes to this, you're at the very top of this peak, 
And there's these huge boulders that are just crazy. Like you have to climb up them and they're just, they're just sitting there. It, it looks really strange. Honestly, it's like somebody just picked these things up and placed them not, I don't want to say in a circle, kind of like a semicircle, kind of like it, it just feels like they were put there. It doesn't feel natural, but I don't know. I can't say anything other than that, but they were, they just, there's just a creepy feeling and the people that I'd go up there with, they also had a similar feeling. Well, if you go just a little bit further back from those rocks, which is only about one or two car lengths, there's kind mm-hmm. of an area where you can go camping. Well, for some reason, I felt it just felt super evil. And it's almost like there it was like in my mind or in your mind's eye, you could see this cave type of area and it seemed like whatever was there were cloaked in red like wearing red cloaks so it's it's exactly like those hooded cloaked figures that we were talking about with sean that my sister and i have seen at the end of the bed but these ones had red and it was just the strange, and it felt so ancient and i remember saying we need to leave and i never want to come back and i never went back oh sure but yeah, it's crazy. Wow. I've never felt anything like that before, ever. So, mm. uh, you know, so again, there we go. Reaching out to our listeners. If anybody else have heard any kind of red cloaked entities, you yeah, know, right. let us know. Because that was uh, crazy. Yeah, because I I don't ever recall even having a bell ring with me as to uh, <laughs> something, a story like that. Right? So, no, yeah, me neither. That's fascinating. But see, you know, when, when you bring that up, then I think about um, Anubis, the Egyptian mm. god and the duck. And where did that whole thing come from? Mm. I mean, where did, I mean, here, here's your typical wolf-headed, upright human. Um, and it was considered a god, so therefore it was feared. Where did that whole thing come from? You know, to and of course, right. it's all speculation. All of this is speculation because mm-hmm. none of us lived in that time period to understand where the Anubis actually evolved from <laughs> or, or what it made it, you know, to be. So, Funny thing, I, I actually have an Anubis statue. Uh, I've had it mm-hmm. for, I think, about 12 years. And it's uh, it always sits either on my desk or on my uh, dresser by my bed. Yeah. Yeah, for I've some reason, I've always absolutely been absolutely beautiful. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I've, I, it's you know, there's definitely a energetic calling to that particular. Uh, oh sure. Yeah. <laughs> Very fascinating. You know, when we were we were talking about you know, okay, so let's put this in the capsule of shape shifting, and that you had brought up the question of you know a dog man in. Oregon or Washington state or in the Pacific Northwest Mm -hmm. and the ones here. And I've noticed um, for the amount of listening and the smaller amount of reading, but mostly the amount of listening, it seems like those that have had an encounter with an upright walking canine, nine times out of 10, the question is being asked, did it have hocks? Or did it have human legs? Because apparently it's almost 50-50. Uh, some have the human legs oh, and wow. others have that 
typical dog hock, with, which people say is a backward turned leg, which really isn't. The backward bone part is actually what would be like the heel of our foot, and it walks on its toes, on its tiptoes. It's just that the right. hock is so much longer for us. But if you look at a dog's natural behavior, it does use its hock quite a bit when it sits down or, you know, is squatting. Mm-hmm. And so it does. But right. to get a 50-50 feedback from witnesses to say, no, it, it had that backward leg looking thing. Um, right. I find that fascinating because maybe those are two entirely different. And maybe the one with the well, human legs are a shapeshifter and mm-hmm. the ones with the you know, the hawks, maybe that's just a whole different cryptid that really hasn't been discovered yet, that it's a dog that's learned to be upright and walking, and it it might be because it lives in a swampy area, and it's learned to walk upright so that it doesn't get water in its face. I don't know. It's just a speculation. It could be just a simple biological Um, answer as far as that goes. Look at all the different Sasquatches that there are. You know, you you Google right, Sasquatch right. and there's the six different um, face, you know, faces. Oh, and, right. All the different types, sure. Right. And so I think that it would be natural for a dogman to also have these varying... However, the I mean the Sasquatch, it's it's its face is the only thing that's different. It's pretty significant to have completely like two two totally different legs, sets of legs. Um Yeah, right. So I mean I mean, who knows? Uh yeah, well like you said, with a Sasquatch it's a humanoid shaped mm-hmm. body. You know, it's all proportion with each other. Even if it's a small type of Sasquatch. The arms are still longer. It still has bipedal features about it. It walks around right. upright, which therefore is the term bipedal. Oh. And But, you know, being of different heights, but yes, you're right. Mm-hmm. There is no big significant difference. With the dog man, mm-hmm. um, how many reports of it is, no, it was an upright canine. Um, it had either human legs or the, or the hawks or hawks mm-hmm. as legs, but so many of them say it had human hands with claws on the fingers. Mm. That just throws every dynamic <laughs> right. Yeah. Wow. That now, yeah. now you're talking a werewolf. I'm sorry, but that's okay. a werewolf, and I didn't think they were real, but apparently they are. I'll say this. There was one time I went to the zoo, and I was looking in at the chimpanzees. And Mm -hmm. there was only one. And he walks in and he sits down. And I mean, he was, he was just right there on the other side of the glass and I'm, and I'm right Mm -hmm. there, you know, and it was just fascinating. And he seemed older. You could kind of tell he was older and just the humanness to mm-hmm. his eyes and his face. It it's weird because I've gone to the zoo since I was a kid. I've seen these animals since I was a kid, but in this moment there was just this similarity that was shocking and just I mean it really tugged on me. Unlike anything I've ever oh. felt in my life. And so right. taking that experience and putting it into, if I was to be standing in front of a Sasquatch, 
or a dog man, something that would, I mean, I, I, I don't think I'd be able to handle it. I mean, just because of what happened looking at this chimp. Mm-hmm. To see something seven foot tall or bigger and, and to be like, but in the craziest thing is about it. The hardest thing to grasp is that you can sit there and look into its eyes, but it's an animal. Like mm. it's not a human. It can't talk like you and I can. It can learn, but it doesn't have the full development like we do. And, and it's, it would just be so hard to grasp that about a Sasquatch. I would. I just think it would be really mind-boggling. Mm-hmm. No, yeah. you can go down an entirely different rabbit hole just on that <laughs> subject alone. That you know, yeah. the chimpanzee is the indigenous creature here, and we're the alien species that were brought here from somewhere <laughs> else. Right. And uh, just, and we share the majority of the DNA with the chimpanzee, but. Um, yeah, I mean, you, I've had that experience too. You know, you're looking right into the eyes and you see a soul there and you're making that connection. And it, it's just like you could just have a conversation with this thing and you you mm-hmm. wonder how oh, much yeah. of it is it really understanding because I think they do understand if you're talking in a calm voice to them, they're receiving it. They hear what, you know, they hear these vocalizations coming from you, whether they understand your language or not. But then if you were to speak to somebody from a different country that you don't know a speck of their language and you Mm -hmm. were to talk to them the same way, they would probably understand that you're making a connection with them and don't see it as a threat. And, you know, there's a lot to be said. So when -hmm. you come across a 10 to 12 foot tall bipedal (laughs) creature, you know, that's a moment that just changes everything in your life. And I've never had the experience and, you know, careful what you wish for. Um, <laughs> yes. I believe they exist. I, mm-hmm. you know, we have so many friends in this community and friends that listen to the show that have had that encounter. And I yes. totally believe them. I believe them with all my heart. Um, oh, yeah. Even with the conversation that we had with uh, Sean so- Forker, on on last Tuesday or whenever Tuesday that show aired and he talked about the elderly couple with the Sasquatch going through the dumpster. I, you know, I believe that with all my heart that yes, it does exist. And if you saw something like that, you looked into its eyes, it would be terrifying because now, now the shoe is on the other foot. Now you're Mm -hmm. the chimpanzee on the other side of the glass speaking to something that you don't understand, but it's Mm -hmm. looking at you right in the eye making that connection with you you know what something really interesting you know we have all these other aware animals right all these other things that humans can transform into supposedly Mm -hmm. i didn't see anything about any kind of monkey or sasquatch i mean you would think Mm -hmm. that if we could shape shift you know what i mean like why isn't it something that's so you know much closer to us why is it a cat you know or a dog well why not you know yeah then that's a really good question but now think about the history and the discovery of the chimpanzee and the silverback gorilla it's only been in modern history that those creatures were discovered by the human race it was always spectacle of you know cave drawings and so on that oh this is just a mythical 
and it was blowing off until the silverback gorilla was discovered. And of course, it's been less than 20 years that the um, this last upright upright um, primate was discovered. And I'm sorry, I forgot the name. I had it right there on the tip of my tongue um, as to what the name of that chimpanzee. But it stands six feet tall and it walks mm-hmm. around bipedally. It doesn't walk on. It's not a quadruped walker. It walks bipedally. And for years and years, it was thought that this creature was just a myth. And here it was discovered that there was a small colony of them. Uh, Okay, now that changes the dynamics of everything because that is now getting closer to the discovery of a Bigfoot type of creature. So getting much closer to it. Get this Um, then. The the Billy Ape. That's the name. It's it's called the Billy Ape. Yes, I and I believe its discovery was in 2008. So we're talking very relative history. Right. So mm-hmm. as far as shapeshifters, you know, being over the centuries of mm-hmm. shapeshifting into a wolf or into a cat or into a were lion, probably because the entire primate species wasn't even discovered yet, so it wasn't put into the dynamic of shapeshifting. Maybe mm-hmm. that's why. I'm only speculating, but maybe that's You know, why. I had an idea. So you mentioned that the, the Billy Apes and the Silverback Gorillas were written on cave walls, right? Mm-hmm. Right. Um, so if you take everything that was written, just for fun, take everything that's been written on cave walls, the different mm-hmm. uh, animals, and let's make them all real. What else would be real? All right. That would be so awesome. Um, Yeah, good question. I mean, there are hieroglyphs of things that still make us scratch our head, including Anubis. Okay, you can throw that in because that was done in a hieroglyph in, you know, the ancient Egypt world. But as far as, you know, the the cave paintings were... you know, and of course, a lot of people, they'll close their eyes and picture cave paintings and you'll see, you know, your typical mammoth and, mm-hmm. and you know, buffalo and so on, which, yeah, that was right. part of the food source and it was part of the hunt. And I think it was documented that way. Um, but, mm-hmm. yeah, there are some creatures that still dragon-like creatures that mm. have, you know, anthropology and archaeology and and Mm. all the allergies scratching their heads going what made them see this flying creature with big bat-like wings and a serpent body so you know maybe there was an existence even back uh in early paintings i don't think it was on cave walls i mean maybe it was but in really early paintings there were Mm -hmm. um ufos in the sky oh yeah yeah that's that's very uh, infamous, along with the uh, mm-hmm. biblical era, um, right? Depicting, you know, Christianity in in artwork. But yeah, so much mm-hmm. of it is has that UFO in the background or whatever, and nobody can really point to say, well, no, actually, you're looking at it wrong. How can you look at it wrong? It looks like a freaking spaceship with a human <laughs> right? or a humanoid sitting inside of it, flying exactly. around. <laughs> long before flight was even discovered. So, mm-hmm. you know, and then, of course, I always jump back to, you know, look at your depictions of Jesus Christ. And mm-hmm. the halo isn't above the head. The halo starts at the shoulder and goes around the head, much like a clear bubbled space helmet. So who's to say, right. you know? Exactly. Yeah. And, of course, 
and you've just dug another rabbit hole that we could go down for days and days and days. But, you know, it is fascinating on how the human species has documented its history and the creatures around us and the things that happened around us throughout millennia, and yet we're still holding that mystery in our hand is, well, what did it represent? Right. And I always go back to the to this point where it seems like human history isn't this continual chain. It seemed like in the human existence, there's this blank spot where we lost all this information between where we are now and what happened then. Because if the human existence was this continual chain, the teachings of, let's say, the Anubis, for example, would still be carried through to today for us to have a complete and total understanding of what it is and not an interpretation. Right. It would be taught and be taught and be taught. But somehow it seems like there's this big, giant blank spot in the human existence where now we're looking back at our past and trying to put the pieces together as to what happened. And that fascinates me altogether. And once again, that's an entirely different show with its own rabbit hole. But yeah, it, I find this whole thing so fascinating with, a, the shapeshifters, and where did it all come about from, and and what creatures were actually chosen to be, you know, the shapeshifting creatures, and creatures becoming in the human form, too. All of this is just absolutely, you can lose your mind in it, but it's part of why we're in this community is to try to lose our mind, because at some point in some conversation, one person might say something so profound that it opens up a door that people never thought of before and go, oh, you know, never really thought about that before. And here they open up that door and maybe beyond that door is the answer. We can only hope, at least I hope, you know, that's why we do this is we're always in search of an answer. And of course, you know, for our listeners, because you're the greatest listeners in the world, um, really feel free, put your thoughts into the uh, Library of Lore interactive Facebook group page and put some of your thoughts in there as to what you think about the whole shape-shifting thing. Do you believe it's a possibility? Do you believe it's a, it's a definite reality? Or do you believe it's all just a bunch of stories? And, uh, and of course, we don't judge by anybody that writes in there or puts right. your opinion in. So, mm-hmm. yeah, that entire yeah. thing is – it can give you goosebumps, you know. Mm-hmm. It really can when you think about it for a extended period of time. And then, of course, you go to bed and then you have dreams about it. And it's like, <laughs> oh, I shape-shifted last night in my dreams. Oh, that was fantastic. Oh, my gosh. You know, I think I've done that a couple times in dreams that I remember I was a bird and I could fly. Um, and it was crazy because you could really, I mean, it was so familiar, such a familiar feeling like this was so normal for you and just the second nature. It was, Mm -hmm. I mean, it was crazy. And then, uh, let's see, uh, when I was a kid, (laughs) okay, (laughs) this is going to be really dorky, but for the sake of the show, (laughs) when I was a kid, I used to love to dress in all black, black long sleeve shirt, black like sweatpants, put on black socks, and then I'd put my hair back and I would try to stay within the shadows <laughs> all through the house and I would kind of, like crawl and and try to sneak and and I was pretending I was a jaguar. <laughs> wow, see? And so I that's where the that fascination started. Oh. 
I think I did start as a uh, a little kid that I did have a dream where I actually was a jaguar because I was so mm. into it, <laughs> you know. So, well, they're a, an absolutely <laughs> beautiful creature, and of course, jaguar, mm-hmm. you know, is just one term. I know black panther is mm-hmm. another term used, but it's all basically the same. Animal. You know, they're spotted. Um, oh yes, Under yeah. That there's. Yeah, there's spotted jaguar, there's black jaguar, there's, you know, jaguar is, uh, it's a wide array of different types. It's like seeing dog, Mm -hmm. you have different colored (laughs) dogs, different size dogs, but, you know, jaguar, panther, um, yeah, it's all still part of the same thing, but, well, well, yeah, listen to you sneaking around your house as (laughs) the panther in the shadows. Right. (laughs) Mm-hmm. I think our listeners are uh, getting to know me a little too well. <laughs> I'm starting to share my secrets. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> oh, there's plenty of secrets, people, that, oh, there's still a whole book of secrets you don't know yet. That's so, yeah. <laughs> don't don't worry about that, Jen. They 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 know <laughs> they only know the tip of the iceberg. Yeah, yes, only. that's true. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> I do have the privileged information, and if anybody wants to donate, oh, let's say $50 to the Patreon, I'll be right. happy to divulge a little bit more information. There that's you go. part of our uh, Patreon campaign that we do here at the Caravan of Lore. Because yeah. it costs us money to do this. <laughs> but it does. That said... This is an absolute passion that Jennifer and I love to do, and we love to bring mm-hmm. this type of stories to you guys. And that's really the most important thing. This is not a money-motivated process that we go through. It just no. certainly helps to have something in there to upgrade equipment. Of course, Jennifer, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> you just bought a new microphone. Congratulations. And I did. I was really excited. You. I had to, um, I got a new microphone and then I had to get a new pop screen and a new um, boom stick. And <laughs> hopefully. <laughs> I love the fact that you call it a boom stick because I, I, I you know, okay. There's a whole story behind the boom stick. All right. Okay. Yeah, she didn't get a new rifle, people. She got a new mic, <laughs> a new mic stand and a, right. a boom stand for her microphone. Yeah, so no new rifle for Jennifer in the boom stand era. So I, I just um, love the fact that you do that. I think it's just adorable. I really do. Yeah. Well, it's and it's crazy. Uh, hopefully, uh, this. So this is the second episode that I've recorded on the new mic. So I'm hoping that the listeners find it a little more pleasing than before. Um, mm-hmm. I'm still, you know, learning the audacity ropes, but you know, it's going really well. And um, as for the patron, I definitely do want to give a shout out to um, our two wonderful patrons, Ryan Sprague and Justin mm-hmm. from mysterious circumstances podcast. It's an honor to have them on there, and we are patrons of them, too. So you guys should also check out their podcast, Somewhere in the Skies. Mm-hmm. Circumstances. Mm-hmm. We have two tiers right now for uh, Patreon. The first one is just a dollar a month where you get, you know, you'll get shout outs. 
you will be put on the episode page as one of our patrons. And if you have a podcast, if you have a, a link to a website, I'll put it on there. Right. The next tier is $5 a month and you get, you get your name on the thing and you get the shout outs and everything, but you also get a monthly card reading or intuition reading rather. So in our group, every Friday, I'll pull three cards and you just pick one, whatever one, you know, you feel called to. And then the next day I reveal it. Well, with the intuitive reading, it's a lot more in depth. So you get, you know, all three cards. If not, sometimes uh, there's more depending on the spread that I do. I also use like my angel board and my pendulum and other means of divination to get a get a deeper reading. So, um, yeah, definitely, you know, and then. The money that comes in from that, I would be honored to be able to start to travel around to the different haunted places and do more write-ups about my experiences and then do a um, an episode on it like we did with the McMinniman's Grand Lodge and the Ghost Log. Mm-hmm. I think that that would be fantastic. So those are some goals that I have. You know, this is definitely a passion. In fact, uh, I, I talked to some friends from school and they're like, oh, well, how are you doing? You know, because it's been, I graduated in 2005. And I'm like, oh, I'm pretty good. And, you know, I'm doing this over here with the caravan and everything. And they're like, wow, oh, my gosh, I can't believe that. You know, we can, you always had a passion for it back in school. How cool is that that you get to do that now? And um, mm-hmm. that was a huge compliment. It really meant a lot to me because, yeah, this is definitely right. definitely where my heart lies. <laughs> well, that with that said, and a big congratulations to uh, Somewhere in the Skies. Um, you know, Ryan does do a fantastic show, mm-hmm. if none of you have heard it yet. He he does put together um, a really yeah. neat production. And, of course, mm-hmm. it's UFO-based and related. Because uh, if you're anything like me, I don't stick on just one subject matter and fascinate on Bigfoot. Mm-hmm. I'm only right. Bigfoot. No, I love to bounce around because mm-hmm. I'll get bored with you know, the Bigfoot thing here, but mm-hmm. you know what? This little spiny creature over here is kind of interesting, and ooh, oh, I get into that for a while. Oh, it's an amazing pool of so many possibilities. I, oh. No, right? Mm-hmm. Very much so. But anyway, with the uh, Patreon, the money mm-hmm. doesn't go anywhere else other than directly back into the show. It right. doesn't go to buy a car payment. It doesn't go mm-hmm. out for groceries or the mundane. It yeah, goes directly for related to the show. Mm-hmm. It helps keep the website active. It helps keep the podcast active. It keeps uh, maintenance on equipment because, you know, just like your car, you need to change the oil and the microphone every 3,000 miles. So, you know, that costs money. <laughs> right. There you so, go. Yeah. Uh, but I just want everybody to know that that is a reassurance of the fact that mm-hmm. the money, it does cost Jennifer and myself to do a podcast. Like I said, we do it for the love of it. And we got into this on our own decision and our own passion to do this. So it is our responsibility. But in order to improve and make it blossom like a beautiful flower, it does take a little bit of financing to have that happen. So mm-hmm. if you do decide to do that, we would be forever in your debt. And of course, you know, the big kudos would be shout out back to you and (laughs) great support. And you would have a greater um, influence on the show itself. If there's a specific subject that you would really like to hear about, 
Jennifer and I would be the first ones to jump both feet in and research that subject matter as a Patreon donor, we would jump in both feet and just do as much research and do a show on it just as a thank you back to you. So too in return, and that would be our biggest thank you to you and great yeah, fun. no, for sure. And, um, we will, uh, let Sean take us out tonight with our new outro music, as well as you can find him now on every single one of our episode pages. I will make sure to, um, link his band page and his Instagram. And he also has a Facebook uh, page for his music. So you can follow along with his tour dates and all the new songs that he comes out with. Fantastic. Yeah. I'm looking forward to hearing it. So go ahead. Yeah, Cue sure. music. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you. <laughs> thank you. Thank you, everybody. Watch your step. Let's you move on days It lay there cold Eating underneath your last breath Hold your tongue Still I've gone The beast that follows is close But we'll move on Snake eyes Dog.